0: Hi, Mosaic. Thank you for being here with us tonight. I'm Carrie Tucker, and I serve on the community team. Um, If you're new to us, whether that's you're just joining us live online um, for the first time, or maybe a friend has shared um, our church with you, we just want to welcome you. We have a unique experience for new folks called Discover Mosaic. It is a membership class and also a small group experience. If you join Discover Mosaic, you get to meet our staff, you get to be led by some of our amazing leaders, and you also get to know other new people. Discover Mosaic will begin on September 20th, and you can find out more details about that on our website, mosaicnwa.org events. Also on that webpage, you can find women's studies, you can find classes and trainings, and some other experiences for you to sign up for. Um, Tonight, um, I would like to just share a little bit of encouragement with you. One of the things that happens when we aren't gathering together um, face-to-face is we can start to suffer from a lack of affirmation or encouragement. We are educating from home. We are working from home. We are staying home on the weekends to protect our friends and family and our communities. And as a result of that, sometimes we can start to feel discouraged. So I just want to encourage you tonight. God sees you, God hears you, God is near to you, God loves you, he is producing fruit in you, and I just pray that you would receive these words from Colossians. To Mosaic, the saints and my faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We give thanks to God. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, always for you. Since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love for which you have for all of the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you, just as in all the world also, it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. We have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light.
1: Thank you, Carrie. Wherever you're joining us uh, tonight, um, just ask that we could approach this throne of grace together reaching out for you oh come to the altar the father's arms are open wide forgiveness was bought with the Oh come to the altar, the f- Savior we have Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. humbly before you in gratitude for the price you paid for us bearing the cross with our names and faces before you on your mind. Thank you for this gift of gifts. And Jesus, that it did not end there. It did not end in the grave burying death and sin, but when you rose so that we too could rise with you in victory. Thank you, Lord, for this inheritance. We, your children, your people, we are so grateful.
2: Friends, I I don't know if anyone's told you yet today, but the author, provider, sustainer, creator of all things, he adores you. (laughs) And as we just sang, oh, what a glorious redeemer and king we have in Jesus. And it's in his perfect and beautiful name, I call and extend to you grace and peace this evening. I don't think I could start our time talking about the church of Antioch better than someone I adore and look up to, Philip Yancey, who said it like this. That all too often the church holds up a mirror reflecting back the society around it rather than a window revealing a different way. I mean, I don't know if you have seen recently, just whether it was on the news, social media platforms, but there's a lot of mirror holding almost reflecting back evil with evil, wickedness with wickedness. Fascinating enough, there's a whole study that's actually been done on this very dilemma. Uh, Back in the 1940s, a Dutch physicist named Hendrik Casimir did this process where he started to take two mirrors and tried to identify what, what happens as you have these two mirrors together and it creates this force, big word, known as quantum fluctuations. <laughs> I'm not a physicist, but I think we can learn things about Jesus through it. And one of the things that Hendrik and his team started to identify was that as you start to create disruptions on the outside of these mirrors reflecting each other, as they actually start to get closer and closer and collide Quantum physics later described the same experience as what happens in a black hole. When the church begins to reflect a mirror back to the society and it causes chaos and collision, rather than, as we'll see like the Church of Antioch today, taking that mirror down and providing a window to show the way and the truth and the life that is abundant and full for the society in which we live. So, uh, friends, this is Fellowship Bible, so you're going to need one. (laughs) Uh, If you don't have it on a device or a Bible in front of you, please go ahead and grab one, and we will be resting in Acts chapter 11. Uh, But before we get there, I'm a huge fan of just, one, knowing where I am in the scriptures, who wrote it, and why I'm there. So, in the words of Chuck Swindoll, just a brief overview of the book of Acts and where we're entering into with Antioch. Uh, First and foremost, this book has been written so that you can understand that the Holy Spirit empowers Jesus' followers to carry the good news of Christ to the ends of the earth. The first seven chapters describes the church being established there at Jerusalem, and it's born at the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost and growing. And the focus is local and predominantly focused on Jews. But then as we'll step into in Acts chapter 8 through 12 tonight, the church begins to enlarge to Judea and Samaria, and it begins changing lives and breaking these traditions and divisions, and it goes national with Jews and Gentiles, and then ultimately the rest of the book of Acts, this, this movement of the Holy Spirit and Jesus' followers expands to the ends of the earth, and it becomes global and cross-cultural. Uh, an incredible theologian and Bible teacher I look up to, Ajith Fernando, described that the book of Acts could be understand in two ways, that these Christians, these believers in Jesus, his disciples, they understood how to sacrifice like Jesus and how to suffer like Jesus. And Ajith says that today in our society where selfishness is on the throne more than Christ It feels like everyone's left to fend for themselves. This book of Acts presents a group of Christians who were so committed to Jesus and his gospel that they would sacrifice everything and anything to win one to the kingdom. And not only that, secondly, in an age where we as Americans and Westerners, we seek to avoid suffering at all costs, not so with the church at Acts or throughout the book of Acts. They embrace suffering and saw it as a basic ingredient discipleship in a fallen world. And so with that mindset, we now dive in with the church at Antioch. Follow me now in Acts chapter 11, verse 26, a significant moment in the New Testament where the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. This is significant to the New Testament for a few reasons. First and foremost, the place we're at, Uh, Antioch. It was the third largest city in the Roman Empire. I mean, hear these statistics and understand how relevant this is to us in Northwest Arkansas today. Third largest city in the Roman Empire, population estimated around 500,000. In Northwest Arkansas right now, we're roughly 540,000. It was an international commercial center. Uh, check this out, a cosmopolitan city with a marketplace as its hub. So the whole community was built around the marketplace. Sound familiar? It was culturally diverse. So residents were from all over the Roman empire, which meant there was a variety of languages and customs, religions, ethnicities. One theologian described it as a melting pot of pagan deities and competing worldviews. And lastly, Antioch, was a culture that was incredibly divisive. There were social, economic, political, ethnic categories that the whole city would be broken down by. So like most Roman cities, Antioch would be built with a surrounding defensive wall, and then in the middle would be the marketplace, but then it would begin to categorize and build up dividing walls that would separate all these different worldviews. And so you had people, whether it was their ethnicity or their culture or their religion, They were walled off from one another to try to keep peace within the greater community of the city. So you had the Jews live in their quarter, the Greeks in their quarter, the Romans in their quarter, and those all broke down based off religion and political views and your ethnicity and all these divisions. But in entered these followers of Jesus. These followers of Jesus who they began to break down these dividing barriers these categories, Antioch just didn't really know where to put them or how they operated because now they're jumping over these city walls and they're breaking bread together and they're worshiping together. And they're redefining the community within Antioch in an unprecedented way, so much so they needed a name to call them, which was Christian. They belong to the party of Jesus. We don't know necessarily what they are politically or what religion they are. They, they, they're just little Christ. And it's interesting, nowhere in the New Testament, this term Christian is only used three times and every time it's from those outside the church. Predominantly, the New Testament authors refer to the church as the bride or brothers and sisters or the saints. And it is in this category that these little Christs began to shape and change Antioch in a significant way. And they took the gospel in such a way that they changed the culture. They made disciples. Uh, They sacrificially loved And they multiplied the gospel in a significant way. So follow me now in uh, Acts chapter 11. Let's pick up in verse 19. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. 20, some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus And the Lord's hand was with them, watch this, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. First and foremost, you need to understand they are coming into a church plant at a time where there is great persecution. If anything, the scattering and the persecution that took place in Acts chapter 7 and 8 with the martyrdom of Stephen, one of their own. This, this oppression and this suffering actually caused the church not to be able to meet together and to scatter, and the effects in the face of disruption. Every time, whenever the church seems to be at its uh, persecuted the most, it spreads and it thrives. Oh, how fitting for our cultural moment. Next, Antioch was so obsessed with money and pleasure and these divisions, but here come these. Christians that now they're breaking down those divisions and they don't worship the way we do and they don't seem to be as obsessed with pleasure or money. And if anything, the pagan deities that we're offering sacrifices to, in come these followers of Jesus and they're claiming that their God actually made the sacrifice and freely I can now come and be a part of it. And thirdly, the the Antioch began to shape the culture predominantly because they took on the lifestyle of Christ. See, they understood that following Jesus meant you don't just wave at him and say hi to him every once in a while or know some things about him. No, the church at Antioch truly began to embody what a lifestyle following as a disciple of Jesus looked like and it had significant impact on the greater culture around them. Dr. Barry Jones says it like this. He says that Jesus lived in a society full of divisions. Jew and Gentile, clean, unclean, righteous or sinner, rich or poor, men or woman, yet Jesus persistently and compassionately traversed the culturally imposed divisions of His day. And His compassion and his call to follow was for everyone, and so it was with the church in Antioch. They began to move in and change the society around them as the body of Christ became salt and light to every tongue and tribe and nation. Andy Crouch says that God, creation is what God makes of the world, and culture is what we make of God's creation. Could you imagine if we were able to shape and transform to bring the gospel into some of the cultural barriers and areas of our own lives and cities and world, what that would do? Or as Dr. Keller puts it, he says that there's four type of churches in our world today. There's one that's in the city. You're there. You got a building, people come, they gather and they go. Beautiful. There's some that are of the city. This is kind of scary. They actually, you can't really tell what's the church and what's the city. There's others that where oppression seems to grow, there's a church that's against the city. They're gonna push back against the cultural norms. And then there's what Keller argues is this is the church at Antioch as well as the church I hope to be a part of is there's a church that's for the city. That they understand that the Christian life is in the world, not of the world for the world. Just as Jesus presented in his day to day lifestyle. These followers of Jesus so powerfully proclaimed the good news of Jesus, that it began to transform individuals and relationships in the greater fabric of culture at large. They didn't just hold a mirror up to society, they invited a mirror to a better way. Secondly, they not only shaped culture, they made disciples, Acts eleven twenty two. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. And Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, who would soon be Paul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch for a whole year. Barnabas and Saul met with the church, and they taught great numbers of people. And the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. So something significant has happened here. You had what was originally only for Jews. Now Jews and those outside the Jewish ethnicity are coming together as one new humanity under Christ. And that is beginning at the framework. So they're shaping culture, but also they're taking very seriously Jesus's command to make disciples. I would encourage you sometime, most of us are very familiar with Saul. If you have some time, do a character study on Barnabas. I mean, that guy knew how to make some disciples and follow faithfully Jesus. But Ultimately, this church here was faithful to the great call to go and make disciples. They took an entire year to invest, to train, to equip, to encourage, to edify, to release. This, at best, was a disciple-making community. They didn't just wave at Jesus or give him lip service. They actually began to understand, Jesus calls me to be sanctified, which means I want to live my life in such a way that I look like him. To be Christ like. Dallas Willard says that our most serious failure in the church today is our inability to provide effective, practical guidance for folks on how to live the life of Jesus. This disciple making community at Antioch, they understood that we are going to take very seriously the Great Commission, that we're going to go to every tribe, tongue, and nation with followers, apprentices, practitioners whose life, models that of the Savior. But they didn't stop there, because once again comes another disruption, but the church continues to thrive in amidst it. Verse 27. During this time, while they're making disciples and shaping culture, the prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. And the disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. And this they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. See, this church was planted out of scattering and disruption. And even in the face of a famine that's overcoming the Roman Empire, because they're shaping culture and disciple, being discipled and making disciples, they understand that the lifestyle of Christ is one of sacrifice, and love. And so they sacrificially love and support the body of Christ in need. They provide emotional and spiritual and material support generously to those that aren't even in their city. As you see, they actually send it back down south a few miles to Jerusalem, where the church is being greatly persecuted and really experiencing this famine. And these Christians at Antioch say, hey, we want to give generously. They took on the reality that Jesus promised, which is that the whole world is going to know you are my disciples by your love for one another. In this life, I hope I'm not known for my opinions, but I'm known for my love. And a few just examples of where I've really seen this at work, just even in the past few weeks within our disciple-making community here at Mosaic. Mosaic. Uh, first and foremost, um, I love them to death, Matt and Amy Frittle, uh, up there in Bentonville with me. And they, uh, they just have this way of understanding their whole disciple-making community of understanding this idea of sacrificially loving, to give emotional and spiritual and material support to those who are in need. Just recently, uh, a friend of Amy and Matt's experienced a house fire, lost everything and, and amidst the pandemic covid was the last of her concerns as her world seemed to just be unfolding in front of her and amy and matt pressed in and they began to give graciously and they loved her and they absolutely they provided emotional support and came alongside her at the loss of her house and everything she had and they began to surround the greater disciple community around her to bring spiritual support through prayer. And also they, they gave materially where now she's able to have a, a new place to stay and furniture and gift cards and food, all because these followers of Jesus, Matt and Amy Friddle and their community understood that we need to be sacrificially loving as a follower of Jesus. Or how about our counselors or our social care workers in our body here? Hey, I just wanna tell you, for those of you who counsel and have really pressed into the emotional and spiritual needs of our community in Northwest Arkansas in this season, thank you. You matter and uh, what you bring to the body of Christ here for Mosaic as a man who myself has benefited greatly from much of your wisdom and counsel. Thank you for showing sacrificial love and giving your time and your talent and your treasure. And oh, for you, Greater Mosaic as a whole, that even in the face of a pandemic, you've continued to give and support in this place one another so that we could continue to be the hands and feet of Jesus to transform the heart and soul of Northwest Arkansas and the world. And I don't know about you, but don't you desire to be a part of a disciple making community like this that shapes the culture, it provides a window to something better, that it makes disciples, it takes Jesus' commission very seriously. Oh, and the sacrificial love that we have for one another as brothers and sisters that everyone in Northwest Arkansas would look and go, they just, what, they're little Christ. They literally love and look like him. But this church at Antioch, they just keep looking more like Jesus. If you were to jump down to Acts chapter 13, you would see the effect of this culture-shaping, disciple-making, sacrificially loving expression of the church at Antioch. In chapter 13, verse 2. While they, the church at Antioch, were worshiping and fa- uh, worshiping the Lord and fasting together, the Holy Spirit came and said, "Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them." So after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. The two of them they sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, and the result, Acts chapter 13, verse 49 the word of the Lord spread through the whole region. See in a healthy and spirit led disciple making community, gospel goodbye has become essential. Because what this church at Antioch understood was the words of the master and King himself that he was going to go away and give them his spirit so that they could have a seat at the table to have a part in this role of bringing the love and the light and the life of Jesus to the ends of the earth. And so if we're going to fulfill the great commission in our disciple making community here at Mosaic, it's going to have to come from a place where we understand that Christ is the head of the body and every single one of us has a role and we matter in this process. And not only that, not only do you matter, we need to be able to create space as apprentices to Jesus for other folks to come in and apprentice Jesus. It's why we really believe in multiplying your your small group, your disciple-making community. Because while we would love to just keep adding and adding and adding and adding, I think we get more people who know how to wave at Jesus and not follow him. And our heart and our goal is to join, just like Antioch did, to join Jesus and seeing life change happen in Northwest Arkansas and the world and letting that multiply and creating space around the table for someone else who can join us. For Antioch, uh, this church, it's believed, was only about 100 people, no larger. And they just continued to take that and multiply and multiply and create room for the other so that we're still feeling the implications of that in our world and in our church today. So in summary, my Mosaic family, the church is first and foremost marked by this one truth, that we have allegiance to Christ. We have our hearts. He is the center of everything that we revolve around. Our lives center on him and because of that, with a life centered on the person and work of Jesus, we become the salt and light of the world to every tribe, tongue, and nation. We begin to interact and change the very fabric of the culture we live in because we're making disciples. And we're inviting others to come and apprentice Jesus. And as we do that, there's this sacrificial love that the spirit produces in us, where we give material and spiritual uh, and emotional support generously to all in need. And we multiply that creating space for the others. And friends, I would argue that if you try to do any of the outside things without your life centered on the person and work of Jesus, becomes legalistic and damaging, not just for the greater community or your family, but for your own faith. And so Mosaic, do you want to join in on what Jesus initiated with that small group at Antioch? Not metropolitan city. I mean, could you imagine the impact that your home, your neighborhood, our cities could have if our church was known for this type of, of disciple-making community. And even in the face of a pandemic and the hardships and the suffering that we're facing, hear the words of him who is always faithful and true. He promises, I will build my church. And ain't nothing, even the gates of hell are gonna stop it that nothing is going to stop or overpower or find any authority over the King of kings and Lord of lords. And his plans of making all things new will not be stopped or thwarted. And he invites you and he invites me as a living stone with himself as the cornerstone, as a member of his body with himself as the head, as the bride of Christ with himself as the groom to join him. And making disciples and seeing the lives and hearts of men, women, and children changed from every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. And so to close, Mosaic, I'd love to leave you with two questions for you to consider. The first is more communal with your disciple-making community. The other, personal. What if instead of holding up a mirror to our society, we gave him a window and we joined Jesus and changing Northwest Arkansas this week. A suggestion for you, if you're not a part of a disciple making community, hey, let's talk, let's get you in that, to join in with what Jesus is doing in and through this, not to just go to church, but actually be the church. Or how could you, in your disciple making community, how could y'all begin to see the power of the gospel transform the neighborhood and the cities in which we live this week? And on a more personal note, secondly, what's trying to take over the center of that circle? What's competing for your allegiance and your affection to Christ? I mean, like those in Antioch, they they saw the empty promises of the pagan deities and the empty worldviews, and they turned from their allegiance to that, and they put it in the living and true God. They repented and they turned from their sin and they fixed their hearts and lives around the person and work of Jesus. And it changed not just them, but the society at large. So what in your life right now are you giving allegiance to? What's trying to take Jesus's place on the throne of your heart? And what I'd love to do in this moment is just to take a second to identify it, to confess it, to bring it to him, and be forgiven from it. So if you would, friend, would you just, wherever you are, would you close your eyes? Go ahead and take a deep breath in. Breathe it out. Take a moment and identify what are the things right now that are competing for my allegiance and affection for Jesus? Invites you still with eyes closed. Would you take those things you identified and would you bring them to the feet of Jesus and confess, Lord? These they're competing. Would you open your eyes, friend? See. We don't want to just confess it to him. We actually want to turn and join like Antioch did in repenting and going away from those things. And part of the way that we do that is we then fix our eyes on him and we give him the worship and the praise that he rightfully deserves. So friends, in that vein, with allegiance fixed on Christ, hoping to see culture-shaped, disciples-made, a sacrificial, disciple-making community of love so that we could always see the gospel multiplied. Would you join us in worshiping our King and Lord?
1: I don't belong to riches Treasures that don't satisfy Long to a pig's value defined. Define. for making us heir inheritance life eternal would you root out Holy Spirit would you root out whatever it is in our lives competing for our affection our desire our allegiance to you would you continue to do that work in our hearts Mosaic, we love you, we care for you, and we're here for you. And I want you to know that before you close your computers or turn your TV off, uh, pastors are still available on our chat for you. Uh, For any prayer concerns, any needs you may have, please connect with us there. Uh, And until we meet again in person, we'll see you next week here uh, live at 5.